cliffcentral.com. It is time for It's Going to Be Okay. Hey, Doc, how are you? Hey, guys, I'm well. How are you? Good. Nice to see you. Um, we've got an, a nice re- to see you. We've got a really interesting story here today. I don't know if you've seen the email. I sent it to you. Um, but Ash is going to tell us about her family situation, which is absolutely unbelievable. And and maybe just before we get to Ash and, and her story, what do you think is a healthy amount of screen time? I mean, you probably see people who come into you and say, hey, Doc, I'm a little bit worried about my social media um, addiction. Uh, you know, everything can be addictive. And, and people don't realize this. You can be addicted to exercise. You can be addicted to drinking water. You can be addicted to sport. You can be addicted to um, to work. Uh, it's not just the, the obvious mm-hmm. ones, you know, like the I'm addicted to drugs or I'm addicted to alcohol or any of that stuff. So tell me, with the oh, hang on, I think we've got Ash here on the we've got Ash on on the stream here. Um, I'll get to Ash in a second. How much is too much, Doc? Basically, for people who you know are on the screen twenty. You know, the, so you know what, like uh, this is going to get uh, quite boring. But um, as you know, I'm a big fan of investing your time into things that create value and. Uh, Nothing has value outside of the context of the goal. So if somebody says to me, Hanan, I just had a whole cheesecake. Is that good or bad? My answer is, uh, I don't know. What's the goal? If the goal is to lose weight, it was the wrong thing. If the goal is to uh, enjoy the every second of your existence, then that was damn awesome. Nothing is outside of context and means nothing, means anything. So you've got to ask yourself, the amount of time that I spend on the screen, is that the best way to invest your time and energy in getting closer to your goal? If, uh, you're, in, if you're a chef and you're investing time into finding out new recipes, getting creative, finding new ideas, then that's good. You should invest into that. Um, but if uh, you're investing your time comparing your life to someone else, that is the worst way to spend your time on social right. media for sure. Okay, so um, that's a useful bit of info. I just thought we'd throw that in yeah. before we start talking to Ash. So, Ash, why don't you tell your story? Ash is going to keep her camera off because she wants to remain anonymous. Got a hell of a story here. Um, it started years ago, Ash, when you escaped Eastern European communism with your family and you moved to Canada, right? Hi, good morning. Yes. Um, sorry, I'm a little bit nervous. No, don't, so don't we left Romania in 82. And as you know, the wall came down in 89. So uh, my father had escaped in 80 on his own and uh, made his way to Montreal. And two years later, we joined him. Now, add to that that my parents are deaf. So that means they can't hear. Mm-hmm. Um, I suspect they each had like some kind of childhood infection. And so it wasn't hereditary. So both Long your both short, your parents are deaf. Correct. Wow. Yeah. Okay. And so I'm the youngest of three girls. My older sisters are nine and ten years older. And as you can imagine, integration into Canada, where there's two languages, was challenging. Mm-hmm. And so I became an adult very early. And <clears throat> relationships have frayed since then due to the responsibility of it all. And my parents also have a little bit of a personality disorder. My father suffers from alcoholism and my mother is a bit of a narcissist. So combine that with a disability kind of really makes it hard on the soul. And so um, I started to travel just to get away from the house and moved to Cape Town about 12 years ago. Mm -hmm. And since then, obviously, the pandemic happened. 
there's been a wedding, there's been a funeral, and there's been years that have passed, and they haven't softened. So none of us are speaking. Um, the three sisters are not speaking to each other, no one's speaking to our parents. I've tried to reconcile and um, hand out an olive branch, and I've failed, and it's backfired. And whenever I try and talk about it with my friends or even in therapy, all I hear is get over it, move on, let it go. And the ambiguous grief and the weight of it all is just, it's no longer something I can talk about without people rolling their eyes, but it's the biggest um, thing I'm dealing with. And uh, wow. I'm just curious as to your thoughts, because you mentioned last week that if your life is big enough, you can manage the loss. And I just wonder what your thoughts are. Wow. So Ash, what is, what is the ideal outcome for you? What do you want to, what do you want to create? What do you want to achieve? What's the goal? The opportunity to be a sister and have a sister, the opportunity to be a daughter and have a parent. And it might be asking for too much. Maybe they're all, they're clearly not at that space in their evolution, but I don't get to play out those roles. I don't get to have those experiences. Right. Right. So, Ash, I, I want to mention a couple of things that could be useful to you. First of all, any relationship, think about it as, um, as a game. And I don't mean it in any frivolous way. All I mean is there are certain rules to playing a game. So I play a game with my kids. So I have certain rule sets for them. They have certain rule sets for me. We agree on those rule sets and we have a good game. I have a game that I play with my wife. I have a game that I play with particular friends. I have a game that I play with my patients. I have games that I play with my mentor, with my mom, with my brother. And the thing about a relationship is that you both have to agree on the rules of the game. The problem is when, say, say that again. The dynamic. The dynamic, so the rules. So, for example, now let's just be more specific with you. You say you want to have a relationship with your sisters and you want to have a relationship with your parents. But having a relationship requires another party or the other person on the other side of the table to want to play that game. I need your sisters to say, I want to be a sister to you as well. I need your mom to say, I want to be a mom to you as well. I need your dad to say, I want to be a dad. Because the moment you have the other party saying, I don't want to play this game called mom, called dad, called sister, well, as much as you want to play the game, there is no game. There's nothing to be played. And what's going to happen is you are naturally going to get hurt because you're investing time and energy and effort and emotion into playing a game that doesn't exist. The aim for you, Ash, is not to marry what you wish it would be or what you wish it was, but rather to marry the reality of what it is. And what it is, is it seems, at least from what you're, the way that you're explaining, that you have sisters, you have parents that don't want to be sisters and don't want to be parents. And that is a very tough pull to swallow because ideally as a child, we want nothing more than to have a healthy relationship with mom, a healthy relationship with dad. But you need a healthy mom and dad to want to be mom and dad in order for us to have a relationship with mom and dad. Mom is a very loaded word. Dad is a very loaded word. It means a lot of things. But to you, you have to think about it, not in terms of what you wish it was, 
but again, what it actually is. And that requires a process of grief because you have to let go of the fantasy and the dream and you have to accept the reality of what it is. Does that make sense to you? It does. And that's what I was going to speak to you about. It's the grief and it's also the stigma, right? Because we all know like, oh, somebody doesn't have a stable relationship with their family. Ooh, you know, you don't want to get too close to that person, you know, and, and this stonewalling behavior is so entrenched to not only in my family, but culturally, you know, there's a secret police has destroyed um, communities trust in each other. So I'm very good at stonewalling. I'm very good at burning bridges. And it's all of these dynamics play out post acceptance. Mm, for sure. What you want to, what you want to do is you want to ensure that the dynamics between, between you and, or what you've learned between you and your sisters and between your mom or you and your dad, you and your parents, doesn't affect the character that you are in a negative way because it's so easy to go through an experience that you have the many experiences that you have had and suddenly stop trusting other people and stop trusting the world which makes you i'm not saying you but i'm saying it will make a person naturally very bitter and very negative towards others it actually builds makes them more distant build up walls create that kind of gap between yourself and others and i want you to not take this as a lesson in how bad the world is, but I want you to take this as a lesson of what can I do, what can you do to make things better for you? How do you take the negative lessons and make it positive in your relationship with your spouse, in your relationship, maybe if you have kids or one day you'll have kids, perhaps, or your relationship with your friends? It make this make you a better person. Now, two things. Number one, you talk about the stigma. I want to assure you from my experience is that even though, you know, society says there's certain rules to abide by in order to be healthy or to be seen in a particular way, please believe me, Ash, believe me, nobody cares. No one cares. People might, you know, if you don't fit into a mold, you might be seen as um, X or Y or Z, but in reality, nobody cares. In other words, people move on with their lives. People have their own issues. People have their own troubles. People have their own challenges. Nobody, you know who's judging you? People that are unhappy within themselves. I promise you, people that are filled and full and feel fulfilled and have a sense of purpose and have their own direction and drive and are not comparing their lives to anybody else are happy for you because of the character that you are, not from where you come from. The people that do care, uh, the people that do judge, the people that do try to get you to feel less than because you don't have as much or you don't have or you haven't reached a particular point, those are the people that shouldn't be part of your circle anyway. So for you to think, well, the stigma, it's only for those, it's only in your head with those people that shouldn't be in your circle anyway. But the question is, how do you, and what I want to help you with is how do you then move from the process of grief? How do you then learn to accept that this is it? I want you to act with the reality of what it is. In other words, if you accept it, imagine yourself five years down the line, completely accepting of the fact that this is the relationship with your sisters, non-existent. This is the relationship with your parents, non-existent. Imagine in five years' time you accepted it. You fully accepted it. Let's just play this vision game. You accepted it. How would you act? 
Sorry, so what I was saying is imagine in five years' time you fully were fully accepting of where you were, accepting of the fact that this was uh, that you didn't have a relationship with your sister, you didn't have a relationship with your parents, what would you do? So you would say to me, Hanan, I would I would focus on my friends, I would focus on my work, I would focus on my sense of purpose, I would focus on my health, I would focus on the things that bring me joy, I would focus on my financial stability. That is what I want you to do now. I want you to act in line with what you would be like if you were fully accepting. Now you would say to me, what's the benefit of that? Here's the benefit, Ash. The moment you act as if, emotions always follow. The moment you act as if, emotions will always follow. It's not let me feel and then do, it's always do and emotions always follow. And I'll give you a quick analogy. The bungee jumping. If you stand on the edge of uh, this platform and you're about to bungee jump, the moment you say to yourself, let me feel comfortable and then I'll jump, what will happen is you'll never jump because you can't control how you feel. But the moment you jump, you act, and even though it feels fake and it feels scary, but you jump, it feels bad. You jump, it feels worse. You jump, it feels worse, but now jump a 100 times, now you start feeling better. Behavior first emotions always follow. So my advice to you is as difficult and as fake as it feels, act with the reality of what it is. Do it a hundred times. Emotions always follow. What's interesting that you say that because uh, last year I actually decided to change my birth name. Um, And it's as a, you know, personal anchor as a bookmark for me of like, okay, who do I want to behave like? Who do I, who am I being? Who am I, you know, bringing myself into and and you know and that's been a transition you know because people don't like that kind of confusion and it sounds neurotic and you know self-important and whatever but it really comes from that place of i'm going to define it moving forward brilliant that's very powerful that's incredibly empowering well done to you even though that takes again incredible amount of courage and again there's a process of loss because you have to go from what it was to what it is that's an incredible first step in the bungee jump experience. But you have to do that. And people make the mistake. They bungee jump and they go, but I feel worse. I say to them, continue bungee jumping until your emotions resonate with their, with their behavior. So continue doing this. This is very powerful. Thank you. Thank you so much. Wow, Ash. It is really my pleasure. I mean, that's And uh, please insert to all inappropriate jokes. I don't want to start off anyone's week with like a depressing story. So <laughs> no, don't worry. No, listen, I mean, uh, you sound like someone who's really uh, getting it together. And, and I mean, just judging from the, the obvious, you know, difficulty of the situation, it sounds to me like you really are. You're one of those people who can make things um, incredible and make things better. Uh, it sounds like you already have making these brave moves, like moving to Cape Town, like changing your birth name. Yeah. I mean, that's a, that's incredible stuff. So you're already on the on the right path. And Doc, your advice is absolutely spectacular. Thank you. Well, thanks. That means a lot, Gareth. I've been listening for way too many years. I call it the Church of Gareth. So that means a lot. Thank you. <laughs> wow. Okay. There's no pressure on me. Well, Ash, you keep listening to us and nothing bad will ever happen to you. What can I say? <laughs> I'll see you in the comments. <laughs> awesome. Thank you, Ash. Thank you, Dr. Cheers. Thank you. Very nice to have you on. Thank you. Wow, Doc, um, you, you just you lay it on. I mean, last week was pretty intense as well. I think we're, we're getting to some... It was intense. We're getting some good stuff. And you know what? 
No, for sure. And I just want to say one thing that the reason why Ash is able to move forward is because she's honest. There's no BSing. She's real with what she's going through. There's no sense of, of, uh, you know, pretending that, you know, that fine. this is something that it is not. She puts it on the table and we deal with it. That's the real first, first step. Absolutely. All right, Doc, thank you very much. We'll see you in a week. Nice to see you guys. Very good, Dr. Nan Bushkin. Cliffcentral.com.